3: Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's the Labor Day Sale at Ace. Right now, buy one, get one 50% off on gallons of our top paint and stain brands, like Valspar, Clark & Kensington, Cabot Stain, and Magnolia Home Paint. And with our Ace Extra Mile Promise, we'll help you get everything you need to paint in one trip, or delivery is free. Don't miss the Labor
0: Day Sale. Buy one, get one 50% off our top paint and stain brands. Now through Monday, only at Ace. At participating stores, limit two paint and stains can not be combined. Delivery subject to availability. See acehardware.com for details.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Tradecast. You may think that this is not Eric, Spur- Eric Bert's last, and you'd be correct. This is Nathan Powell introducing the show for the Dynasty Tradecast. Joining me tonight is my lovely co-host, Dan Senyo. How's it going tonight, Daniel?
2: Oh, it's good. I'm glad to be back. Happy New Year to you and to uh, whatever that question mark is along with us. But uh, I'm, I'm sad that Eric couldn't be here with us. Summer's slipping away, so grab hold of Amazing
0: at California's Great America before it's too late. Buy next year's Season Pass and get unlimited visits this year to experience rides, shows, and attractions. That includes incredible coasters, Boomerang Bay, and an amazing Peanuts-themed kids' area. Get this special offer for as low as 11 payments of $6.50 after an initial payment. Hurry to get the best price on the most fun you can have. Buy your 2020 Season Pass now at
2: CAGreatAmerica.com. For our first edition of the new year, but uh, I'm doing well. A little, a little stuffy, little, little under the weather, but you know we'll pull through because the people need the content. You know,
1: yeah. And you call our next guest a question mark? It's more of just like a fill in the blank. When we need a guest, I know where to go to to come in the clutch, and that is Russell J. Clay. How are you tonight and this new year, my friend?
3: I'm good. I'm freezing. My my fingers just get you know when, like, you go outside and it's freezing out and your hands just, like, anything you touch is just, like, you just feel like you're going to crumble? That's how I feel. That's a tough time. feeling. They make yes. these
2: things, they're really weird. They're called gloves or mittens that you can actually wear on your hands to keep your hands warm. It's really cool.
3: I mean, that sounds like a good plan. But I tell you, my self-esteem has taken a major hit with, with the recent weather. I just don't feel like I can do anything. So, Oh,
2: I thought it was just because of the things that I've done. I, just because of me in the last few weeks. But oh, you can boy. wear these right here.
1: And on a audio podcast, Dan is showing. <laughs> so, uh, this is about usually when uh, Eric asks how we did in this week in fantasy. It's week 17, so there was no this week in fantasy. So we will use this opportunity, Dan. I will give you sixty seconds and sixty seconds only to gloat about being the SFB champion.
2: Man, I don't even want to gloat. I, I it's I've been trying to be as humble as possible, honest to God. With my mentions that night were just insane. My phone reached a temperature that I didn't think was was even attainable. It was I couldn't even hold on to it. Um, yeah, it was it was crazy that that sweat. Uh, on Sunday night, man, I, I didn't, it ended up working out where I didn't even need Monday night, but that, that sweat was real. Uh, just honestly want to say, say a big thank you to Scott fish, uh, for putting the whole event on for all of the sites that donated prizes and whatnot. Uh, and all of the fans that came and played and all of the writers that came and played. It was, it was, it was the most fun I've ever had in fantasy football ever pulling that off. And I still don't really know how I did it. But I gotta give some love to Todd Gurley like everybody else is doing, so uh, maybe when that check clears, I'll, I'll throw a little money towards his foundation.:
1: For sure, for sure. All right, uh, let's die. I'd like,
3: I'd like to brag as well. I got third third place in my home league with my brother, so <laughs> we're going to be making our money back. That check should clear as well pretty soon within the next seven business days.
2: So. Third place third money is good, man. Third place yeah, money.
3: That, it tastes good to get your money back. I'll tell you what.
2: <laughs> Speaking of
1: good money, uh, the best way you can start the new year is by investing in Rotoviz. Uh I want to let you know that you can get a listeners only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL pass through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all the NFL content and also supports the pod. You can contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com, and on Twitter, at rotovizradio. Let's dive into the show. This has been a recurring topic pretty much since the Jimmy Garoppolo trade. I feel like we have a weekly Jimmy Garoppolo check-in of how much higher are we on him than we were six, seven days ago. Well, it's been about 14 days since our last show. So, Dan, how higher on, on Jimmy Garoppolo are you than you were 14 days ago?
2: I don't think I'm much higher. You know, we had we had that episode with TJ, and we kind of dove in, and we all seem to be pretty darn high on him. Um, he's he's definitely locked in as a QB one. I don't think there's a question uh, question there. I just hope they invest in in some wide receivers, and I'm kind of hoping they bring Carlos Hyde back. I think he works really well there, makes sense in that system a lot. Uh, but as far as Jimmy G goes, it, you know, mid to in that six to eight range, probably as a dynasty QB. Uh, You know, he's got age on his side. He's looked the part every single week. You keep seeing these stats roll out about how many yards he's thrown for in his first five starts with the Niners and how many more it was than Montana and Young. And obviously it's a different time now. But I mean, that's something to be said. He's he's been really, really impressive, especially considering his surrounding cast. So uh, the connection with him and Shanahan is going to probably prop his price up pretty high this offseason, especially if they fill in around him.
1: All right, I'll get a little little takey here, at least with a question to Russell. And that's, so Andrew Luck, he's begun to slide in a lot of Dynasty rankings because, you know, the uncertainty with his shoulder, uncertainty with his future in general in the NFL. Russell Clay, is there any way that you would take Jimmy Garoppolo over Andrew Luck at Dynasty today?
3: No, no, absolutely not. Um, Do I think... I, I think we're, we're all sort of realizing, if we haven't already, that he's clearly a, a strong asset for the 49ers and he's going to be you know, uh, a fantasy viable quarterback for the next few years. But I do also think there's this thing where players come in in the second half of the year and there's not a lot of film on them. And, you know, we see this with quarterbacks and running backs, especially. And then the next year, there's sort of some regression. Um, so, I mean, I think he's not going to just do this every game. He's not just going to, you know, put up 35 points every game. But clearly, you know, he's going to be fine. He's going to get, you know, more weapons around him. Kyle Shanahan is clearly, you know, going to optimize him like he did in Atlanta. So I, I think he's he's a strong super faculty. Super flex play, definitely a top 12 guy, but a, a late end, you know, a low end uh, QB one for me right now still.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I think that going to that six to eight range might be a little bit aggressive with the lack of, you know, NFL tape on him and teams being able to adjust. So I think in that 10 to 12 range is probably where he should be. But I, I do think that it's in with his range of outcomes for 2018 that he ends up being like in that top four to six range. Certainly that, that would require a great year, but I think it could happen.
3: And with, with Andrew Luck, quickly, you know how when John Jones won against Daniel Cormier and then he, <laughs> he got tested for steroids and it came back positive? And then, so basically in the rankings, they just take him out. That's what I'm doing with Luck. Like, clearly he's incredible, but I don't know what to do with him right now, to be quite honest. Like, I'm not trading him if I have him, but I'm a little afraid you know the shoulder thing was not supposed to be this big of a deal and now he literally missed an entire season so I don't think you can just go forward assuming he's gonna you know be fine but clearly you know if he can get back then I'm fine with him but I'm I'm afraid of owning him as a dynasty guy right now
2: I'll be a little takey I can I can get takey I'm, okay. I'm good at those it's it's off season now so I technically can be you guys had Jimmy G in that 10 to 12 range, and I said 6 to 8. I would probably put Andrew Luck where you guys have Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, I thought he was overrated to begin with. Yes, the volume is there, and it's crazy, and, and he's he, he's a good quarterback. I'm not going to take that away from him, but his inability to be healthy, and now this shoulder thing has been hideous. Mismanaged from the get-go, and he like you said, Russell, he's he's in Europe getting God knows what treatment, (laughs) taking beaver tranquilizers and, and steroids and all of these different things to get healthy. And I don't want to mess with that. You know, the upside alone keeps him high enough where, yeah, you can probably go get him for really cheap right now just because of the uncertainty, but I've got zero interest in him uh, and definitely eight to 10 quarterbacks. I'd rather have.
1: Yep. All right. Let's go on to a player that, Russell and I have been fans of, at least I was, and I kind of convinced Russell during the offseason on leagues that we co owned together. And that's Kenyon Drake. Uh, Russell, mm-hmm. we've, we've talked about it privately. What are you doing with Kenyon Drake this offseason?
3: So I think I came to you about this probably three weeks into Kenyon Drake's sort of emergence when Damian uh, Williams got hurt. And I was like, man, I think Drake is going to be a, a pretty good sell high. And you were kind of a little hesitant about that. And I've been kind of surprised because it's almost like, not that people aren't falling for it, but they're not pushing him up the board. Like I've seen, you know, second half running backs be pushed up the board. Like I, I can think of like Thomas Rawls or CJ Anderson, like those guys had like five good games and they were top, you know, five to 10 dynasty running backs. And now Kenyon Drake comes in, and he's been fantastic every game. I mean, I know, obviously, the fantasy points didn't come in the last two weeks, but he's been awesome. And I'm not I'm not sure that, you know, he's going to be the lone guy there next year. It, it seems likely that they're going to bring somebody else in. I'm kind of thinking he's a hold slash buy right now, you know, based on what I'm hearing. But maybe, maybe the ADP will will um, push something else out as we head to the off season. But as of now, I actually think he's a hold rather than a sell.
1: Yeah, the ADP is a good point there because I think that if he creeps up into that you know late fourth, early fifth range of startups, mm-hmm. that is when his trade price will react and he'll be end up getting traded for the 106, 107 types. Mm-hmm. But it still could happen that you know, like the market just doesn't react, and he ends up being a seventh or eighth rounder, and his price doesn't increase in the trade market. But if his ADP creeps into that fourth, fifth round range, there certainly will be a change in trade price.
2: Yeah, that's that's definitely, I think, where you flip him, um, especially if, like you said, Nathan, if the if the market catches up, that's when you want to flip him. Um, I really like him, and you know the Dolphins drafted him rather highly, and I, the the wild card here for me is. Adam Gase. I don't know. I don't know what his commitment level is to Kenya Drake, you know, because we, we assumed that Jay Ajayi was going to be just a world beater, right? He was poised to have a huge season and that running game was just abysmal. And then he left. And now all of a sudden that running game's there. And, you know, we hear the little, the little stupid stories about, you know, attitude in the locker room and losing and whatever, but then Ajayi goes to the Eagles and doesn't really get many touches, but still doesn't do all that much. So, I don't I don't know if I don't know what to do with this situation. I like Kenyon Drake. I liked him coming out. I, I didn't think the world of him, Nathan. I know you've loved him for a long time, but uh, I, I thought he was going to be a good a good committee back. So going back to what Russell said, thinking that they bring somebody in originally, I think that's where my train of thought was. But now I don't know uh, there's so many backs coming into this class and I think they're gonna have to take someone highly if they want one because of of you know the the quality of back so if they want one of the high end ones they're gonna have to probably reach for it even though you'd think they'd probably slide down the board more otherwise their best option probably just waiting on one of the free agents because if they can get if they can get one of the older guys that that can take some of the workload off and and they can kind of keep Drake in that 10 to 12 maybe even 15 touch. Rate, I think that's where he works best. You don't see him tire out, Um, and he's still explosive, and he's great in the passing game. So I want to, I want to say that he's in like what Russell said. He's kind of a hold buy right now until he gets anything anything higher than like a sixth is probably a six round startup is probably going to be just too much uh, to not go ahead and flip him. So um, I'm holding or buying right now until we see. If the market catches up. That's that's the big difference maker, and Adam Gase is the rest of the difference.
3: And and you're playing with house money if you bought Drake right. this off season. So even if you sell and he continues to thrive, like you made a huge profit. But I will say I think what you kind of described here is the Duke Johnson slash Tevin Coleman that we've kind of gotten from third round running backs in the past few years. So even if Miami does bring someone in, I mean even if they do bring someone in, he's still gonna have a role. So he is sort of safe in one sense, but Adam Gaze, like you mentioned, you have to take into account what he just did to JJ. Like that was so weird. So um, weirdest thing I've
2: ever seen. One of the weirdest things I've ever seen. I I, yeah. I did not see that coming at all. And then just poof. He's gone, but, but yeah, you, you hit it right on the nose, I think with the way the the NFL is right now. And, and especially in PPR leagues, those backs are, are so crucial to have. It's, it makes going late RB so much easier. And, and just picking up those guys rather than, you know, it's nice to have one of the elite guys and then just kind of some, some fill-ins. But if you can wait until like the eighth before you're going at running back and just pick up a bunch of PPR guys, that's huge. That's, that's really comfortable, and that's right where I'm comfortable taking Drake. Um, yeah, I, I think I think he could be great. I, I just I don't know that he's going to be able to stay ahead with the the three down work. I, I think I think he's going to start slowing down a bit.
1: Yep, I agree with that. All right, let's move on to our next guy, and it is Tennessee Titans running back Derek Henry. Uh, through the first two years of his career, it's kind of been a waiting game of when will the Titans move on from uh, DeMarco Murray? When will they stop giving him touches? That answer was not. 2017, will it be 2018, Russell?
3: I'll tell you what. I, I went through the the many stages of, I don't know if you want to say grief or anger, or I went through many stages of emotions with DeMarco Murray this year. And I, I came to appreciate just how much pain this man will take just so he cannot have Derrick Henry be a feature back. It, it's truly, I, I truly appreciate how much effort he put into just playing every game, getting his 13 carries for 22 yards, and just calling it a day. I, I loved every moment of this fantasy season with Derrick Henry on my bench. I, it was just and, – and, and the idea that, you know, he tore his ACL and was like, no, no, I can't let Derrick Henry get feature carries, so I'm going to play with a torn ACL. And then he, they wouldn't let him, but, I mean, he wanted to. He was going to. He was going to get those six carries for negative three yards. He really wanted to do that. So uh, shout out to DeMarco Murray. I, I really like you. Um, I love Derrick Henry, <laughs> and uh, I think he's going to be a tremendous featured back if they allow that to happen. So... You know his price has kind of been inflated the last few years. I certainly wouldn't be selling, but in a in a startup, I'm not afraid to buy him. You know, depending on where he is.
1: Yeah, I think that with the incompetence of Demarcus Murray this year, Derrick Henry could sneak into that. And it's kind of weird because of how when he was drafted in rookie draft, it's like okay, by year three he's going to be like a second round startup pick. I think right now, just because he hasn't shown the workhorse. I mean, he's shown the ability, but he hasn't quite shown it on the field, if that makes any sense. So I think that he kind of maxes out at that mid-third, late-third type price. Uh, but I think that's definitely within his range of outcomes, and that could end up being a steal if he had, ends up getting that eighteen to twenty carry type, uh, you know, back.
3: And that that range is always like young guys with potential and depreciating assets so I think if you're looking at him or one of those depreciating wide receivers I think you definitely go with him
2: this is probably the highest I've been on Derrick Henry and probably will ever be Um, and we still haven't really seen all that much you see a flash and then you see a bunch of garbage and some of that's play calling and some of that's of on him and his inability to, to get lateral on some of those plays. Um, you know, the, the defense breaks through and they and they cover him up, but still some of that stuff you watch him and it's just like he's walking in quicksand going sideways. And I don't get it because you watch him on other plays and he can get lateral and he can then he can get upfield. Once he's once he gets north headed north or south, whatever, north and south, it's it's a freight train and you can't stop him. He has the potential to Nathan you said, you know, like second round within the realm of outcomes, he could be a top five pick. If he starts getting that work just because of the freak of a, of a dude that he is, he can be easily in that Zeke in that DJ in that girly. He can be in that realm if he figures it out, but he's so inconsistent. And I understand that his touches aren't there and he doesn't have consistent touches, but there's a lot of times he gets out there and it doesn't look like he's going a hundred. Like he's trying to earn that work. You know what I mean? It just he he gets out there and he'll have a huge play. Like then this last week, he have like a 60-yard catch or something crazy. And then there's other games, it's like he get a clear toss, he's got a wide open lane, and he tries to get to the boundary for some reason. And I, I just there's a lot of things that frustrate with me within his game in the NFL um, that make me hold off a little bit. But to Russell's point, once you get into that that range where it's old wide receivers or young upside you have to consider Henry here because of his potential huge upside that, and I, I haven't been a Derek Henry guy like ever. And, but now we're in the, in the season of starting to talk about startups and that's where you have to go. You know, we have a great rookie class coming in and there's going to be probably three running backs that you're going to move ahead of him just right off the bat. And those guys are going to be overpriced except for maybe Barkley uh, who will still probably be overpriced, but you, you have to consider him once he, and I think at this point it's going to be like early fourth when those players start coming off of the board because of the rookie fanatics and everybody wanting to get the new shiny object where Henry might kind of go, you know, missed. He might just kind of slide through the cracks and, and you steal him at that point because if you can get him in the fourth and then all of a sudden by week eight in 2018, he's worth a mid second. I mean, that's your ROI right there is insane. Yep, Uh,
1: so let's move on to our next player, and that is going to be Juju Smith-Schuster. This is a guy that obviously I've talked up a lot on this podcast through his his rookie season. With talk of his startup price in 2018 and, you know, just talk of his trade value currently, I'm asking myself the question, is it time to sell Juju Smith-Schuster? I I think that, you know, he's in a situation where it's obviously very good because he's going to be a pass-heavy offense as long as Roethlisberger is there in Pittsburgh, who knows if that's one, two, three or more years. But the real issue is that into that third, second round range, you have to ask the question, when is he going to be the top target on this team? And it might be never, it might be in five years, it might be in eight years, who knows when, you know, he supplants Antonio Brown or Antonio Brown retires, whatever it may be. There's just a certain capped of fantasy upside when you're not going to be the guy that's getting, you know, 10 to 12 targets every single game, which Juju won't be as long as Antonio Brown is in his same receiving court.
3: I think that's, that's definitely a fair take. And uh, so before we get into his value, I just want to point out that hopefully we can put to bed the, the evaluation method of, of valuing final season over best season. So I think we can finally let's, let's all put that to to bed collectively guys. It's the best season that matters, not the final season. So uh, Juju is absolutely incredible. We will say that this all goes back to Martavis Bryant for me a few years ago when people were valuing him as like a top two to three round dynasty wide receiver, or I guess what, three years ago now before the suspensions and everything, people were not worried about his fantasy value whatsoever with being the second option to Antonio Brown. And while I was never high on him, clearly I see value in that. I think what you're looking at is, you know, eight to 900 yards a season and, and six to eight touchdowns as the second option to Antonio Brown Um, Brown is going to be getting older. So I don't think we're going to be seeing those 1800 yard seasons. He was going to get that this year before the injury, but I think we're going to see that sort of slide down to like the 14, 1500 range for the next few years, um, you know, especially as he is 30 now. So,
1: a real career regression to 14. Yeah, years. right,
3: right, right. Um, but in terms <laughs> of team market share, that extra 300 yards, you know, could matter for a guy like Juju. But I have to agree with Nathan. He's not going to be getting, you know, the the targets to – To be valued um, in in the range He's going to be valued this summer I'm not denying that at all He's going to be overvalued uh, In best ball leagues So I think he's a great best ball guy I do not like him in head-to-head For next year So definitely Definitely a sell um, In head-to-head for me I just think you can get so much This offseason for him For a guy you bought With I don't know depending on I mean what did we get him we got him in the second round of one of our leagues Nathan right that we did together
1: yeah we got him at 205 and a 10-teamer
3: yeah so that's like early second of a 12-teamer I got him at 112 in another league so it's like I mean realistically what's the market you know what are you trying to get because you can pretty much get an immense amount for him right now. So I I think he's a sell, even though I love him and I think he's a tremendous player. Um, I do think he's a sell, but not because he's bad for the same reason that, you know, I kind of thought a lot of the, (laughs) the wide receivers from the past few years were sells, not because they're bad, but because they're just kind of overvalued.
2: Sort of like Julio Jones. No, (laughs) (laughs) um, Maybe, maybe yeah jujus a guy I've come around on you know it's it's fun seeing the, the personality and and all of that I think that adds to me liking him more just you know as like regular football but some of that translates into me liking him as a fantasy asset more and more um, there's a you know the the upsides capped with Antonio Brown but I think his value is going to be is gonna be a little bit more uh, kind of based on what they do with Martavis um, because I, I still I would Honestly, if I had to pick, going down the list, I would say Antonio Brown, Martavis Bryant, and then Juju, just because of what Martavis brings to the table. I'm not saying that you know one's significantly better than the other. They just bring different things, and Martavis is more that prototype wide receiver one that we've seen has, has clearly not mattered because we see you know five foot ten guys dominating the league. So I just I think I think Martavis brings a lot to the table. Um, so I'm going to agree that that Juju is a sell if you can get him at, or if you can sell him for those like late second type values, which I think he's probably sneaking into right now, uh, maybe early third. I personally have him as like a low end. Wide receiver two-ish, maybe high-end wide receiver three. And that's probably low compared to a lot, a lot of people. But um, I just, I, I with Ben, you know, getting older, and we don't know if he's going to retire, or whatever. And Antonio Brown's still there, Martavis still there. We don't know what's happening with Le'Veon Bell. Um, there's a lot of things that could potentially cap his upside. Now, if if Ben moves on, all of a sudden Juju, I mean, he's not going to have the upside that he had when Ben's playing, um, unless they go out and get a high-end quarterback and and can get close to matching Ben's output. Yeah. I keep, I'm, I'm going to keep moving Juju up my boards. I think um, he's shown that he can do just about everything. Um, you know, that there was a lot of, like you talked about Russell, a lot of hate coming out from his final year just because he didn't look all that great. Um, that's because team found out teams found out that he was pretty great and they started playing him differently and USC was using him differently. And, and there's a lot to be said in and in go into that. So Yeah, I'll keep moving Juju up, I think.
1: Another guy who is moving up boards for most people is Chris Godwin, Tampa Bay Buccaneers wide receiver. He had quite a few uh, solid weeks in the last few weeks, uh, along with the decline in fantasy of, of Mike Evans as well. So, Russell, what are your thoughts on Chris Godwin entering year two? I think that out of all these guys we've talked about, he's the one who could literally vault from, you know, guy, you consider in like the sixth or seventh round right now. To like by March, people are going to be like drafting him in the fourth round.
3: Oh, and I want to throw up thinking about that. Like, <laughs> ah, no, stop it, dude. There's been this like this like push, like a, a like he's a po- presidential candidate, like for him to be this guy, and he's fine. Like, I like his athletic profile. I thought he was a pretty good college player, but no, no. No, sell, sell, get out of it. I he's fine, he's fine. He probably has potential.
2: No, I'd rather, I'd rather, I'd rather have Godwin in the fourth than Evans in the first.
3: Oh God,
2: <laughs> you're one of them. You're one of them. You're right. I am one of them that likes fantasy points and Mike and, and disregarding Mike Evans one good season. Um, you know, the touchdown upsides there for for Evans for sure. That's that's what he does. That's what he's known for. But. He's uh, never going to get actually, 170 targets again. He's a 140-target oh, oh, guy. He's going to catch 50% of them, and you have to hope that he gets 10 or 12 touchdowns. That's the way it works. He's a wide receiver, too. Well, uh, yeah, oh, I, I like...
3: Oh, I'm not letting you get away with that one.
2: Let, don't, then don't. He, he, tell me he's going to get 170 targets ever again, and tell me he's going to be more efficient with his catches.
3: That's... Well, I mean, he was uh, he had 135 in 15 games,
2: so, I mean... Right He was on pace for 100. no he was on pace for 139 or something like that. 144.: yeah, And it was
3: really 14 and a half because he got kicked out of that other game. so
2: sure. extrapolate so his stats, like and he catches six
3: touchdowns: 140
2: targets. So I did the math. He also 40,
3: 4,500 yards in his first four yar- first four years. that's like top three ever for first four years of a career. so mm-hmm.
2: it's pretty and, good. and he's like 25 years old. <laughs> and unsustainable touchdown production.
3: I I don't disagree that he's going to be very inconsistent year to year. Clearly,
2: but that's my issue with him. And that's you yeah. know you, there's there's that big brigade of wide receiver one or one on one in startups, and it still exists. Yeah. People still want him over anybody, and that's insane mm-hmm. to me.
3: Yeah, no, Insane. especially with some of the guys who have emerged at running back. I I agree. It, it, 170 targets might not happen
2: again. It will not ever happen again, ever <laughs> in the history of the NFL, unless every single person on that offense dies. So <laughs> and to,
1: to circle this back to Godwin and then close out on the NFL portion of this show, Chris Godwin, do you, do you see a, a similar like hype train happening this offseason? What do you think his value is going to do this offseason?
2: It's gonna get crazy, but it, it's gonna depend on on where Mike Evans' contract discussions go, right? Because he hasn't has he been signed? Mm-hmm. Has they done that yet?
1: I mean, he, they picked up his fifth year option. So.
2: Okay, so but they need to work on that. They need to get him signed before you know. Honestly, I, I think they need to get him signed before the end of, of next season. So during the off season, I think we're gonna see Godwin work into that wide receiver three range, um, and he'll probably start picking up some crazy pace because of the amount of passes that are gonna be thrown on offense, even though Jameis is garbage. Um, obviously Evans is still the number one target there, but if you can have those two guys working on the outside, that's scary offense. That's a really scary offense. And if they can figure out how to do anything in the running game, that's only going to help prop those, those outside guys up. So I, I think, I think realistically you have a low end wide receiver one and Evans, maybe whatever. Um, mm-hmm. and you have a potential wide receiver three in Godwin. I think he can move higher than that. We'll see what happens with Evans in the future. If he has another schlub in 2018, they could move on and just be like, you know what, Chris, you're a guy. And, and they move forward with that. They bring in some, some underneath help to help him get a slot guy and just roll with it. That's there's a lot to go forward to get Godwin into some like serious dynasty value, but it's in, you know, we talk about the realm of outcomes. It's in that realm of outcomes uh, because of Evans inconsistency and, and whatnot. Uh, I've liked what I've seen from Godwin. I liked him coming into the season. So I think, I think he's most definitely a hold. If you can get him for a decent price, I think you got to buy. But I think this offseason push is going to get him to a place where he might not even be holdable. You might, have, you might be forced to your hand to sell because of the value you're going to get in return.
1: You know where else you can get great value in return? Our friends at the FFPC. They have the longest-running and most unique playoff contest in the fantasy football universe. And the whole universe, Dan, crazy. The FFPC Playoff Challenge, it's $200 to enter with a $100,000 grand prize and 600000 total prize pool, paying down to 550th place. With no salary cap and no draft to worry about, simply choose 10 players to make up your team's roster, but there's a catch. You're only allowed to use one player from each NFL team. That means if you choose Tom Brady as your QB, you may not have any other Patriots on your roster. This will be your roster for the duration of the entire playoffs, including the Super Bowl. There will not be any changes, substitutions, or free agent pickups once rosters are locked. As NFL teams get knocked out, so will your players. So choose your team wisely. The contest is capped at 3,500 total entries and will sell out as it, as it does every year. Registrations will close on Saturday, January 6th at 4.30 p.m. Don't wait. Go to myffpc.com and get your team now. That's myffpc.com. Get your team and in your season. I tell you what, I've seen a lot of cool playoff formats. FFPC definitely does one of the best out there for sure.
2: Yeah, that's it's legit. I'm I'm gonna probably get myself an entry into that, and then you guys can say that you beat an SFB champion. So there you go.
1: Yep. All right. So we've had a segment in the past called Rookie or the Vet, um, and I normally sing along with that, um, but I'm not going to today because we're gonna do Rookie what? or the Devi, and it, it doesn't sound as good. So Rookie or the Devi. We're going to compare a rookie from the inco- uh, incoming class. Most of these guys are seniors, but for those that aren't, I'm just assuming that they will be entering the draft. And I'll compare them with a Debbie player that I think should be valued similarly or could be valued similarly by our fellow co-hosts. So uh, we'll start off, the and for the quarterback's sake, we'll assume it's Superflex because no one actually takes quarterbacks in Debbie in, <laughs> in one QB leagues. So our first matchup is going to be actually the matchup from the Rose Bowl, and that's going to be Baker Mayfield of Oklahoma and Jake Fromm of Georgia. I'm pretty sure I know where you're going with this, Dan. Um, who, who do you take, Mayfield or Fromm?
2: Wait, is this Jake from State Farm? Or is this... Sorry. Um, <laughs> that's the worst joke ever, but it's still funny to me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a Baker guy through and through. He's my quarterback one in this class. And, I, you know, Jake's like, he's really good as a true freshman. Um, you know, the, the freshman mistakes are going to be there and, and, you know, whatever, but... He's he's looked the part for sure. I, I like him moving forward, but I've got to take Baker here.
3: Yeah, I, I think you know when you start talking about true freshman versus a guy who's going to go, you know, in a in the first round ish range. Um, I, I think unless you're truly against that guy as a prospect, which I'm not with Baker Mayfield, I, I'd I'd have to go with him. If it was a different position, maybe I changed my view, but it's not like there's many bad things you can say about Baker Mayfield. So I think that one, you have to go with the
2: guy who's going to be in the league sooner. Got to take the points, baby. Take the points. Yeah, I'll make
1: it a clean sweep here. I think that Mayfield just is simply the safer guy at this point. Mayfield's not going to fall out of like the second round. I mean, out of the first round of the NFL NFL draft. So at the, at the worst, he's a late first round pick. Jake mm-hmm. Fromm still has two years of, of tape to put out and, you know, injuries and things of that nature can end up making him not drafted so there's so many things that can happen between now and when Fromm is drafted that i'll take the safety involved of a guy who is going to be a first round pick in the 2018 NFL draft
2: don't get it well, twisted no. though hold on don't, don't get it twisted though from is still a high-end you know debbie option in a super flex league you've you got to you know he did all this as a true freshman he looked good doing it so don't don't take this as a hit on him this is just easy points with me May- with mayfield for sure
1: all right, the next one, and maybe this one will be a little bit harder simply because of how good he was in his freshman season. Jonathan Taylor or Nick Chubb as, as a guy who he has you know recovered from his injury, but and it's one of those things that it's like he was so good before the injury that people are like, wow, he's so great, but he's still not as good as before the injury. Well, even if he's not, he's still going to be a really good NFL back. But is he going to be a better NFL back than Jonathan Taylor who put up absolute video game numbers this year, start with Russell?
3: Um, I think this one is another one where you, you take the prospect who's already heading into the NFL in a really good position. Obviously he had the major injury, but he had a great senior year to really fully, um, you know, round off any of the concern concerns that you had over that major injury. I certainly think there are going to be people that point to pre, you know, major knee injury, and say he's not the same player, but I I highly disagree with that based on what we've seen in 2017. So I'm going to take him. I I think he's a better prospect overall than Taylor. So that's kind of the direction I'm heading, but man, Taylor looks fantastic. Um, You know, did all this as a freshman. Um, So he's, he's looking like a pretty special back Uh, again, though. With Devian, it's something I try to emphasize a lot. I don't want to be waiting. You know, you still have to wait two to three years. Uh, you, running backs tend to head out earlier, but you're just still going to be waiting a while. I mean, like, I, I was getting excited about James Washington in, what, 2015? You know, summer of 2015, and it's 2017 now, and I'm still waiting for him to be in the NFL. <laughs> so it's like, it's a long haul to wait, um, especially on some of your debut teams. So if you can get Nick Chubb now, uh, that's the move for me.
2: Yeah, I'm in I'm in the same spot. Chubb, uh, you know, he's he's been just unbelievable, honestly. That whole Georgia backfield has been unbelievable. And I, I'm not too worried about you know being the same player as he was before the knee. I, I think he's more developed now. I, I think he's he's ready for the game in the NFL, and I think he can do it all. I don't know that he's in the, nor will he get there, in the elite tier of NFL running backs or potential NFL running backs, but he is really, really, really close to it. Um, so I, I'm going to take Chubb here. I do like Taylor quite a bit. Obviously, the numbers are hard to argue with. But uh, yeah, it's, it's Nick Chubb by a decent margin here.
1: Yeah, I'll be the contrarian here just simply because it's not. I don't want us all to have the same exact answer. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll say that I'm not sure I would trade either for the other, just because I think that Taylor has the ability to enter that level tier of prospect as a guy like Zeke or a guy like Todd Gurley. Maybe not quite that level because those are some of the best backs we've ever seen. But Taylor has had that type of freshman season where you know, I, I, if I have him on my team, you would have to give me a mountain size offer for me to trade him. Let's move on to the next one, and this is going to be Royce Freeman, uh, senior running back at Oregon, or Demari Crockett. Uh, Damari Crockett was a guy at Missouri who had a huge freshman season, 10, uh, 1,062 rushing yards, 10 touchdowns, average 6.9 yards per carry. Nice, of course. Um, had, had a sophomore season where he was kind of riddled with off-the-field issues as well as injuries, but he still averaged 6.0 yards per carry, 481 yards in only six games, so – for me uh, i'll just start off with my take here i think that freeman is uh, pretty much in all these scenarios the the guy going into the nfl this year is the safer option but crockett is a guy who i think could go you know top 40 top 45 picks in the nfl draft as long as teams are concerned with the off the field stuff i think freeman kind of maxes out as that like third round type guy so uh, i'll I'll roll with crockett dan are are you with me or are you against me
2: you know i'm with you on this one nathan crockett uh i've I've enjoyed watching him. That freshman season was awesome. Obviously the off the field issues are, were moderately concerning. I don't know if we've had any, any spats of late, Um, but I I much prefer the talent there. I've never been a Freeman guy. Uh, I know there's a, there's a pretty big crowd that does love him. That's excited to see him play in the NFL, but I just don't see the upside that I see with Crockett. So I'm going to, I'm going to stick with that. I know, I know Russell's over there itching to get his, get a say in here because I'm pretty sure one of these guys is like his guy.
3: Oh, okay. If you want to talk about waiting a long time, I have been (laughs) waiting a long time for Royce Freeman to be in the NFL. I mean, my goodness. Um, It's, it's been a long hike and there's been a lot of haters and losers along the way, but we're ready. We're here. He's going to go into the combine and be slightly more athletic than people think. Not a lot, He's going to be like an average athlete, and people are going to be surprised by that.
2: Um, it probably wouldn't but, take a whole lot for him to be more athletic than <laughs> I think he is.
3: <laughs> so, if he finishes the 40,
2: I'd be impressed.
3: Man, No, I don't deny that. He does look kind of like a slug sometimes. Like, he does. But I think the, the, the all-around production that he's produced at 230 pounds uh, is pretty special, like just based on historical comparables. Guys who are that big, who have been those type of all around weapons at power five schools, um, you know, tend to be good in the NFL. So I, I I do like him quite a bit more than Crockett at this stage. Um, I just think you know the the four years of production um, and and the resume that he's built is just pretty significantly better than than Crockett, but. Crockett did look really good his freshman year, so I won't deny that. And you're you're potentially looking at the RB1 next year if if all these guys stay in 2018. So that certainly will have value to it, you know.
1: For sure. Let's move on to our next one, and it is going to be uh, our first wide receiver pairing of the night, and that's Cortland Sutton, a guy that's been hyped all over Devi and fantasy Twitter the last couple of years, and a guy that's kind of expected to be, you know, a top 16, top 18 pick in the NFL draft versus Nikhil Harry of Arizona State. So, Dan, what is your take on these two wide receivers?
2: Man, this is a tough one. Uh, first, shout-out Nick Whalen. Hi, Nick. Um, Cortland Sutton's your boy. We all know that. Um, love everything he brings to the table. Um, this this 19 class, though, man, this 19 class of, of wide receivers is going to be something special, I think. Um, not, I mean, Nikhil Harry's going to be – I think I have it tough between him and, and Metcalf as far as my wide receiver one for that class, but there's, there's depth there. And, and Harry's just, I, I don't even, you can't even put a word on him. He's, he's, he's special. Honestly, I think he's, he's the real deal. I think he can be a wide receiver one pretty early on. No, no joke. Uh, and I don't think Sutton's too far behind, honestly, but <clears throat> I think even though, even though I think Sutton's going to come into the NFL and I think he's going to produce, I think the, potential ceiling for harry and having to wait just a little bit longer is uh, it's tough to pass up i'm gonna go harry here just because i think his ceiling is legitimately one of the best wide receivers in the nfl
3: i love watching and kill harry i just uh, it's just such a breath of fresh air after like three straight wide receiver
2: classes oh, so bad. just so much <laughs> so bad
3: uh, and 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 not that there's nothing just that there's never been a for sure like well, I thought Juju was a pretty for sure guy, but then after his you know final season, I did have to like knock him down a little bit um but harry man he he has much he has the most upside we've seen from a wide receiver prospect um in quite a while, so I do like uh Sutton, I actually have raised him. Um, In my ranks over the last year or so, I think he's put together three really productive seasons for a team that was really bad around him. You know, obviously they got better this year, but they were really bad those first two years and he continued to produce. So um, I do like that. I do have worries about the small school thing and that's, you know, I sort of have him going in that late first, early second round range right now until I see athletic testing. Because I've just been bit on these small school uh, receivers before. And and I think he'll be fine. And I don't think he needs to test out great to go high still. But I do have some worries like what if he's like really bad, you know, like really slow and really unathletic. Then, you know, we're going to have to recalibrate a little bit. So I think it's, it's clearly hairy just because power five, has that same similar size, but has shown you know more all around game, and it especially you know has been used on punts a little bit, been used in the running game a little bit, gets you know short passes, long passes. He's just everywhere on the field. He's like he's everything. You know, he he reminds me of Des Bryant pretty much. So not Des Bryant, age twenty eight. Des Bryant, no. like, <laughs> age.
2: He's 21, Brian, that's Brian. Brian.
3: I'm right there with yeah. you. I, so. I love that.
2: I love that calm.
1: All right. I'll round it out with I will also take Nikhil Harry here. I think that it's a tough pill to swallow to not take the guy that's probably going to go like 104, 105 in rookie drafts this year. Mm. But I'm, I'm swinging for the fence. I'm taking the guy that I think goes 101 in 2019. The Arizona State's still going to be bad, but. You know, it doesn't really matter. Harry's still going to, you know, perform. We'll go on to our final pairing of the night, and that is a guy that uh, Russell alluded to a little bit earlier about he's been waiting since, like, he went to prom with him, like, six years ago, (laughs) Uh, of Oklahoma State, or D.K. Metcalf. So this is a battle of uh, Dan's boyfriend and Russell's boyfriend. Uh, Russell, uh, uh, talk about your man.
3: Did you say, so, D.K. Metcalf versus James Washington?
1: correct
3: oh no that's a tough one I don't know I guess these are kind of the decisions you're gonna have to make um, especially in like Debbie startup leagues again you want to take the points and I've loved James Washington for a few years now but I think towards the end of the year we started to see what DK Metcalf could do when healthy and it's potentially special, obviously has the body, has the frame, has, you know, the skills and probably the athletic profile to go along with it. Um, Washington is not a prototypical player. So I'm going to take James Washington because I'm extremely biased, but I probably shouldn't. And if I were giving advice, I'd probably lean Metcalf if I'm being unbiased, but I'm biased. So Fox News, here you go. That's it. <laughs>
2: yeah it, it honestly is a tough one just because i think james washington james washington comes into the league and and he puts up some nice numbers i don't know that he ever gets into that you know that that true wide receiver one wide receiver two range i think he's probably a, a good wide receiver two on a team um but man to kalen metcalf uh, just seeing him coming out of high school watching all those all those videos uh on like 247 or whatever it, it's just been it's been insane. He's, he's super special as his, his freshman year was a little bit, uh, a little bit disappointing with the injury and whatnot, but he has been, he, he's legitimately special. He's what, like six, four And he looks yeah. like he could just burn, burn the doors off any barn that you could put in front of him. <laughs> um, the C, he and Harry for me are one a and one B. And I still don't know who to put where. Um, so I, I think I would take both of Harry and Metcalf over Sutton in Washington. Mm -hmm. even though it's tough to avoid points because I do believe both those other guys are going to put up points. I just think Harry and Metcalf are world-class wide receivers, and I believe that they're going to be legitimate in the NFL.
1: I'll close this off with I'm going to side with Russell here. I'm going to go with James Washington. This guy, and obviously people are going to point to, oh, it's Big 12. They don't play defense in the Big 12. (laughs) Well, James Washington has been incredible the last three seasons, three seasons of 1,000-plus yards, capping – 1549 in, in 2017, three seasons of 19 yards per catch or more, and three seasons of 10 plus touchdowns. Those numbers, and then not succeed in the NFL. Uh, I'm all aboard James Washington. I I think that if Washington and Sutton go in the similar range in the NFL draft, I'll be letting I'll be trading on a couple spots and just taking Washington while everyone else in the fantasy community picks Sutton.
2: I like I actually like that take a lot. I think that's a smart move. Um, I, I think there's a lot of uh, a legitimate argument that you could say that washington's better um i still have sutton i think just nosing him out but i'm not 100 percent positive on that i need to watch a little bit more james washington it's it's crazy and and before we close up i know Nick, uh, russell has one more thing it looks like he's ready to say if if we're gonna do the whole big 12 doesn't play play defense then can we stop just counting the pac 12 as a power five because they're not they're so bad <laughs>
3: So I just count them all like it's power five, it's power five or you're not like, and clearly there's different levels of defense from the sec, you know, to the big 12 who runs a lot of shotgun and pistol. And then, you know, and then the big 10 who's mostly running. So I, I mean, it's all different and you need the context everywhere, but yeah, I mean, it's inflated, but that's what market shares for. Um, and I was just gonna say one thing. It's funny because I started off this whole like section by talking about how to take the points, and then you know I'd probably take Metcalf and Harry over both those guys. So uh, you know special occasions are special occasions, and and both those guys look like pretty special occasions. So.
2: And the trade cast is a special occasion. So we're we're now best friends. Russell, you can ditch Nathan and we can start co-owning some teams together. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All righty, that'll wrap us up. Uh, make sure that you rate and review the podcast. Tell us how much you love us, how much, how much you love our guests. That always helps us out on the money side. You know, we're making millions over here, so... Russell, we we always love having you on the show. So uh, any uh, advertisements for us or anything of that sort?
3: Yes, I have a draft guide that that just came out within the last two weeks. We wanted to get it out early so people had some hashtag content for the bowl season. Um, So we've been rolling with that. Uh, A lot of positive responses so far. So certainly check us out. Uh, Dynasty Command Center with Curtis Patrick and Ryan McDowell.
2: Is that going to be updated uh, as, as it goes yes. on, or is that is that just kind of set?
3: So we wanted to get the initial rankings out there and, and the initial write-ups all done um, because basically all the games have been played. But then we're going to have an update after athletic testing and then after the draft. So we're going to obviously, like right now, there's a lot of unfinished business with these prospects. So
2: sure. yeah, yeah. going to be updates. I like that. Definitely go pick that up, fellas and, and ladies um it's that's that's something special i've seen a few snippets of some of some uh of some content there and and not only is the, is the command center good but this this rookie guide is is something really nice
1: Alrighty, that'll do it thanks for listening and we'll see you next week hopefully ever
2: hopefully not
0: Mattress Firm's Labor Day sale ends Monday. Get a king mattress for the price of a queen or a queen for a twin for a savings of up to $600. Plus, get a free adjustable base when you spend just 4 dollars And Friday through Monday, get a Beautyrest Queen mattress for just $99. Visit MattressFirm.com or a store near you for the best deal of the season. Only at Mattress Firm. Offer valid with qualifying purchase. $99 mattress offer available in-store only to while supplies last. Restrictions apply. Valid at participating locations only. For offer details visit MattressFirm.com. The Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. 40 to 75% off everything. Plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99. Logo styles from $16.99. And jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing.